Now can you hear me? Hey. Yeah, it works. Okay, very good. Now, so thank you, JT, for the good singing, musicians, beautiful singing. Wow, singing about heaven. What a wonderful theme. You know, Dr. Miller mentioned about uh, Emerson, and we've all been praying for Emerson, and many of you know him. And Emerson is in the service today with his father, David, and his mother, Courtney. Emerson, can you stand maybe in the seat? You go ahead and just stand in the seat there and raise your hand. Can you? So we can see you. There you go. Amen. God bless you, Emerson. We're all praying for you. He, you look sharp this morning, and you look good. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. You know, we're in this series on the unseen world. We've talked about God and angels, Satan and demons. And then we, about a month ago, just before the holidays in the Christmas series, we started on the the invisible world, the abodes, or the dwelling places. And in this last part of the series, we're going to talk about heaven and paradise and Abraham's bosom and other words like that, New Jerusalem, and we're going to see how they, um, how they sink together. We're also going to talk about hell and Hades and Tartarus and the pit and so forth and how those words sink together. And today, I, I want to talk to you about heaven. Heaven. Not just going there, but thinking about it on the way. Heaven. So, uh, look in your Bibles, if you would, to verse 10 of Hebrews 11. And it says, For he, the he is Abraham, we know from the context. Uh, he's named in verse 8. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose Builder and maker is God. Now, he looked for doesn't mean he was looking around the Middle East trying to find a place called heaven here on earth. And it also doesn't mean that he was trying to work his way towards heaven by doing good things. In this, in this phrase, it means he was looking forward to heaven. He was anticipating heaven. He was confident in heaven. He had his eyes on heaven. And, uh, and the tense in the Greek of looking there are looked as a tense of continual action. So he kept on looking. He kept on looking forward to heaven. It was a part of his mindset. It was a part of his heart. Always looking forward to heaven. What a beautiful verse. Pray with me. Father, thank you for our time together, for the good singing, and now for us to, to look together into the Word of God. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us. May we be a little more like Abraham, looking forward to heaven, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dr. David Jeremiah tells a story about being in Florida and one of the workers came up to him and said, there's a man who really wants to talk to you, and he won't take no for an answer. And, and so uh, Dr. Jeremiah goes to meet this man, and they told him his name was Red. 
And as he approached the man, he said, I could tell why his name was red, because he had lots of red hair, and it was pulled back in a ponytail and hanging down his back. He said, the man looked like he maybe had had a really hard life. So he said, I went up and introduced myself, and he began to tell this story. His story goes that, uh, and he says, and I'm quoting, I tried everything to find some kind of peace here on earth. I couldn't find it. My life was spiraling downhill, just, and it just kept getting worse and worse. He said, then one day I'd come to my wit's end, and I said, that's it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to take my life. And so he decided on his way to work, he had noticed many times on his way to work this really sharp curve, and right in that curve was a huge tree. So he decided he would drive really fast, 80 plus miles an hour, and, and not make that turn and just drive right into the tree and end it all. That was his plan. So he started out on that plan, and, and he said, I got in the car, turned the radio on, and found a rock and roll channel, turned it up full blast, as loud as it would go, and I was driving down the road and got up to about 80 miles an hour, and, uh, and then... The radio started changing from channel to channel and static and all that. So he reached up and, and hit it really hard. And when it did, the, the station jumped, and it jumped to David Jeremiah preaching. And he was preaching about heaven and how to get there. So he says, and I'm quoting again now, he says... It, it made me stop. So he, he pulls off the side of the road and he listens to the sermon. And then he says, and remember he's telling Dr. Jeremiah this, he, then he says, uh, I don't know what came over me, Pastor, but I shut the car off and then in there on the side of the road, I prayed and received Christ as my Savior. Then he says, when I heard you were coming to Florida, I just had to come and tell you that story. And then he said, I wanted to tell you I'm going to heaven, and I'm really excited about it. Wouldn't it be something if all of us were really excited about going to heaven? And that would make us excited about the cross and the blood and forgiveness of sin because that's the way we get to heaven. Jesus dying for us and, of course, then forgiving us, coming into our lives. He was excited about heaven. I think we could say that about Abraham in our text. He was looking forward to it with expectation. The... Uh, if you go back with me now and, and look at uh, verse 8, and let's pick, up, pick it up in verse 8 just for a moment. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out unto a place where he should after, uh, should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. And by faith he sojourned. The word sojourn means a temporary dwelling. Do you know that's what we're doing here on earth? We're just sojourning, aren't we? Heaven's not our home. I mean, earth is not our home. Heaven is our home. And we're just sojourners. By the way, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 
chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, we are strangers and pilgrims. We're journeying here. He repeats it again in chapter 2 and verse 11. So, we like Abraham are just sojourning. So he sojourned in a land of promise, as in a strange country that is strange to us. We shouldn't think, we shouldn't think it strange. Some of the things that go on in our world because we live in a strange place, strange country. That is strange, different from us, foreign from us as, as believers. Dwelling in tabernacles. The word tabernacle there means tent. So he lived in a tent. When you really got your, when you really got your eye on heaven, you don't worry a whole lot about all the you know, things that are here on earth or you don't worry as much. Now, that doesn't mean that Abraham was poor, though he may have been to, to start with. But Abraham, of course, accumulated uh, uh, herds and so forth. And he had many, many people working for him. Uh, but he lived in a tent. Interesting. And then it says, uh, and, and along with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. That is the promise to receive uh, the land of Israel uh, received the promised land. Then verse, we come to the verse 10 then, for he looked or he looked forward to with expectation a city who, which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. By the way, the word builder there in the Greek is the word where we get our, our word architect. So God is the architect of this city. And then the word maker could be translated creator or it could be translated a builder so this heavenly city this heavenly place is designed God is the architect and God is the builder didn't need anybody else and uh, that's the city of heaven or the place of heaven with the city in it which is the new Jerusalem but we'll talk about that another time and so uh, he is looking forward to this uh, to this home. Now, listen to the way the Amplified puts it. For he was waiting expectantly and confidently looking forward to the city which has fixed and firm foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Amen. About this passage, Dr. Zane Hodges, who's a scholar at, at Dallas Theological Seminary, he writes... The readers, now the readers in, in, in uh, the day which the book of Hebrew was written, about somewhere before the turn of the first century, and, and us as readers. He says that the readers should look forward to the world to come and treat their present experience as a pilgrimage. It's a lesson enforced by the life of Abraham. And then he says again... To us, keep looking forward. Keep looking forward to that city. And uh, another quote here. Another quote, this time from, from Dr. George Morrison, the great Scottish preacher. And he said, The important thing is not what we live in but what we look for. The idea of this passage is, it's okay if you live in a tent. 
If you've got heaven on your heart and, and you know you're going there, there should be great rejoicing in the fact that you are going to heaven and they're looking forward to that journey. Now, that doesn't mean we don't enjoy life. In other places, the Bible says God's given us all things for us to enjoy. It's good to enjoy life. We should. But we should enjoy life realizing we're just passing through. This world is not our home. And we're passing through. It's okay if we live in a, in a tent. <laughs> and then, uh, with that in mind, listen to this passage in Titus 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation will appear to all men, teaching us, or has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ought to be looking forward to that. When Jesus comes, what's going to happen? We're going to go to heaven. So we're looking forward to heaven, our heavenly home, and and looking for the Lord to come. The next verse in that says, For uh, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. He redeemed us by his blood. So, listen to the words of Jesus now with that in mind. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust thus corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But... Lay up your treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let's lay up our treasures in heaven. I used to hear, when I was a young preacher many years ago, 45 years ago, I used to hear, uh, uh, I used to hear some preachers say, that some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I've thought about that over the years. Uh, I heard it from several different people. I think it was a quote from some preacher way back. And uh, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Now, I've been in the ministry 45 years, and I've never met one of those people. I've never met anybody who loved and longed for heaven to the point that they were no good down here. The truth is, the opposite is true. Now, I've seen a lot of people who were so earthly-minded, they were no heavenly good. You know, they're everywhere. We should be heavenly-minded. Set our mind, Paul said, on things above. That's the thought here. So, we should be looking forward to heaven. Now, the word heaven itself appears over 700 times, 715 times in the Bible. But sometimes heaven means the atmosphere around us, or it means space where the, you know, planets and stars are. We talked about that about a month ago. There's three heavens, the Bible says. There's the first heaven, that's our atmosphere. Second heaven, that's space. And third heaven is God's dwelling place. So when that 715 times the word heaven is used, part of that is about the atmosphere, our space. But 
in the Bible, 500 times God speaks about heaven, his dwelling place. Now, many times it uses the word heaven, but sometimes it doesn't use that particular word. Like in our text, it doesn't use that word. It just says uh, that he's looking for a city that builder and maker is God, whose architect and, and builder is God. So that's a reference to heaven. So 500 times the Bible references heaven. In the Hebrew, the word heaven itself means um, the heights. And in the Greek, the word heaven means raised up, lofty. So heaven is up. I've often said, and you've heard me say it, heaven is a real place where real people go. It's a real place. Some people, though, view heaven as kind of a, when you die, you just stay inside your head or something, and, and you have good thoughts. And you've probably heard the theory, you go back to the best day of your life, and you live that best day of your life. And so heaven becomes more of a state of mind or a, a, some... A, some, something like that. But you remember when Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. That word place is the Greek word uh, tapas. And it means a physical place. It's where we get our word... Uh, Topographical. Tapas. A physical place. Heaven is not just something in our minds. Heaven is a real place where real people go. It's a physical place. So where is it? Well, it's exalted. It's high. In Ephesians 4 and verse 10, it says about the Lord Jesus, excuse me, <coughs> that he ascended far above the heavens. So he ascended above the heavens, plural. So what heavens did he ascend past? Well, our atmosphere and space, but he ascended far past them. So heaven is somewhere beyond what we can see with telescopes. Far above. You may remember a month or so ago, I showed you some, some pictures of, um, of those uh, black holes in space and how big they were, and millions and millions of suns the size of ours could fit into one of those and, and so forth. And uh, maybe in one of those places, we don't know. But it is a place, a real place, and uh, it's far above the heavens. Now, jump down to verse 16. It says, but it's still talking about Abraham and his descendants. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Therefore, God is not ashamed to, call, uh, to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. When you're heavenly minded, God's not ashamed to call you his own. He wants... Think about what he did to get us to heaven. Jesus leaves the portals of glory and comes and 
is ridiculed and beaten and spit upon and died on a cross and took our sin. All of that was so you could go to heaven. And it's a little insulting, I think, to God that we act like we could take it or leave it. We ought to be excited about heaven, like red. And so, it says here, He hath prepared for them a city. Then move just right across this page there to verse 27 it is. I read this verse back a month and a half ago to you, but look at it. It says, by faith he, now this time he's talking about Moses, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured. How can we endure the heartaches and the, and the troubles and the burdens and the temptations of life. How can we endure that? By keeping our eyes on the one who is invisible. Looking to the Lord and to that time when we will be with him in heaven. Heavenly, uh, heavenly minded. Now, if you look at your screen for a minute, I want to give you, sum up some quick thoughts here. I mentioned a few of these things back a month ago. Again, it's been a month ago, but I, I want to just remind you of a few things. Every day, daily, we should give thanks for the cross. Now, I'm going to encourage you to do this first thing in the morning. Now, you may have your devotions after you drink your coffee, or you may have them in the middle of the day or at night or something like that. But I'm going to encourage you to do this first thing in the morning, maybe before you even get out of bed. This is the way you say good morning to your Creator. So, give thanks for the cross. Now, I'm not talking about sing a hymn and spend 30 minutes there. I'm not talking about that. You might do that later on, but right now, I'm just talking about first thing, before you talk to your husband or your wife or anybody else, talk to the Creator. Thank Him for the cross. Thank Him for the blood. And thank Him for the forgiveness of sin. And then thank him for his care, that he will, he will take care of us through all of life and all the difficulties. Thank him for his care. Now, you can say these things in just a few seconds, ten seconds or so. And then the last one is this. Thank him every day for heaven. Now, that's a good way to start your day. It starts your day on a positive note. You're acknowledging your Creator and you're thanking Him for those most important things in life. Now, there's a lot of things we could, th we could uh, thank Him for. But I'm talking about something you can do quickly first thing in the morning. And then one more thought. After you thank Him for these things, yield to His Lordship and trust Him. Ask Him to control you. Take control of your life. Now, this whole process might, if you do it quick, it might last 30 seconds, or you might make it last a minute or two minutes. Uh, but speak to your Creator first. Start thinking about heaven. Now, I know you, you enjoy life here, and, and I do. But I am looking forward to a city whose builder and maker is God. Amen? And it's a real place, and real people go there. I close with this story about a woman named Helen. Helen grew up in the U.S., and she had Christian parents, and they were good parents. She had a good, good home life, and 
she was a great musician and she got into some private schools here in the states and played the piano and uh, beautifully and sang and then she got into uh, some a prestigious school in Europe and so as a young woman she moved to Europe and was in this prestigious music school and while she was there she met a European man and they fell in love they got married and uh, and then as life goes on she had a very tragic life so far everything's good but after getting married not too long after that she she was discovered that she had a disease of her eyes and it was going to progressively <coughs> excuse me <coughs> it was going to progressively get worse until she went blind She, the, the disease moved quickly and before long she was, as the doctor said, she would be totally blind. That was the first of her tragedies. Her husband couldn't deal with this great tragedy that had happened. Quote, he couldn't deal with it. So he left her. That was her second great tragedy. And I think I told you up front, he was a wealthy man. Maybe I didn't, but he was. He was a wealthy man. Not only did he leave, he took his money with him. So eventually she had to move back to the state so her parents could help her. She's blind, and uh, she has no way of income. She was a hymn writer. She was a songwriter for Christ. She wrote over 500 hymns in her lifetime. When she was 55, of course she'd been blind for many years, when she was 55, she heard a preacher say, and I'm quoting now, the preacher said, So then, turn your eyes upon him, Jesus. Look full into his face, and you will find that the things of earth will acquire a strange new dimness. Helen said when she heard that statement, she started singing in her soul and spirit. And, uh, and without putting word to paper or anything like that, she began to come up with those words of that great hymn we know, uh, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And later, she wrote the music to it as well, as she would say, directed by the Holy Spirit. So that was one of her hymns. When she was older, she was just about penniless. A pastor that knew her and helped her back in those days wrote about her. And even the pastor's son, who during those days, he was in middle school and high school. And uh, he talked about her. This woman who and, uh, lived in one room, one small room, and had almost nothing. She was advanced in years, the article said, and destitute. But the, this young man, who, of course, is grown now, said, but she was an amazing woman. Uh, she had a tremendous impression upon me. She was full of joy and enthusiasm. If you ask her how she was doing, she had this little term she would use. She said, I'm doing well in all the things that count. <laughs> I'm doing well in all the things that matter. That was her attitude. She talked about heaven a lot. 
And when she would talk about heaven, sometimes she would clap her hands and say, uh, I cannot wait to go there. She was looking to the Lord to meet her needs, and she was looking forward to heaven. It kind of changes our mindset when we look forward to heaven. We won't mind if we don't have everything big and better down here on earth. The tent will be okay. Just He'll meet our needs. The promise is He'll meet our needs. Not our extravagant wishes. Think about heaven. You know the song, of course. I'll read just the first verse to you. And remember how troubled she was in life. Old soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. And life abundant and free. She was living an abundant life in one little room with almost nothing. Uh, no possessions. Then the chorus goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let me encourage you, keep your eyes on the Lord, and keep looking forward to heaven, and be thankful. Be thankful for the cross and the blood and the forgiveness of sin and God's care and heaven one day. Bow with me, please. With her heads bowed, maybe you'd say, Preacher, I know I'm saved, no doubt about that. But I want, to, I want to be more like this passage talks about. I want to be more of a person who is heavenly minded and looks forward to the Lord coming and looks forward to heavenly things. I want to be more like that. And in doing so, of course we find his blessings right here on earth peace and joy and so forth and you say I just want to be more like that pray for me would you slip your hands up all over the building yes many hands you may put them down God bless you is there anybody here who would say I've never trusted Christ as Savior like you talked about red trusting Christ pray for me no one will come to you or embarrass you we're going to pray for you that's all slip up your hand right now if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior anyone I'm looking around the room, waiting for just a moment. Anyone? Okay. Father, thank you for our time together. We pray that each of us will turn our eyes towards you, Lord Jesus, so that we might endure the difficulties of this life. And then looking just beyond a little bit, we look to that glorious city. That real place where real people go, where we're going to go one day because of the cross. Help us to be thankful. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.